fellow constitutionalists and welcome to the free-for-all friday edition of the dan clemens show a christian political talk show i'm your host dan clemens your constitutional warrior fighting for your right just to be an american it is june 8th or june 15th in the year of our lord 2018 remember we're hyphen free pc free zone god is still in control he does love you and i'm broadcasting live from the hemlock studios here in the beautiful central susquehanna valley in the great keystone state and I got all my chats up and everything, so uh, chats open over to YouTube, uh, so you can get over there and you can watch the show from YouTube. Uh, today's show is being sponsored by uh, one of our affiliate marketers, Sears Part Direct. Uh, yesterday, I pulled the mower deck off of my lawnmower. I know I've been mowing uh, a little bit this year, uh, but it's ripping more than it is cutting, and I knew my blades were getting uh, dull, so I pulled them off, and uh, I don't have to get any new blades, but... If I buy new blades, uh, last time I bought them, I found them over at Sears Parts Direct. And I know we're in the height of uh, uh, the summer things, as it were. <laughs> Trimming and mowing grass and tilling the lawn or tilling the um, garden and keeping that weeded and everything. And, and we use a lot of power tools for that. And if, if it breaks down and you can't find the parts locally for it, boy, you need to get them in a hurry. You're going to get behind on all your work. And may I suggest Sears Part Direct. If you go over to the DanClementShow.com and click on the Sears Part Direct uh, logo there, it'll take you over to the affiliate marketer there, and you can order all your parts. All you need is uh, your model number and sometimes your serial number on that. And may I make a suggestion? Instead of standing on your head with a paper and pencil, most everybody has a smartphone with, uh, with a camera on it. Take that out, put on your camera, and, and just lean over with that and take a snapshot of it so you're not uh, <laughs> trying to fall on your head to find these things. And, and that way you'll have it in your uh, there and you can refer to it as many times as you need because I do that uh, myself all the time. So again, Sears Park Direct is the uh, advertiser for today and uh, uh, they're an affiliate marketer. All right, folks. Uh, like I said, I do have the chat open. Uh, it is I have it on super chat. So if we do chat with me uh, through the uh, the chat on um, YouTube, it'll show up on the screen. Please make sure that uh, it's clean, no profanity, no vulgarity, uh, because vulgarity is no substitute for wit, and rudeness is the weak man's imitation of strength. So just remember those two things there. And we'll, we'll all get along here. We'll all, we'll all get along fine. Uh, before I get into the Daily Bible verse and all those things, I just wanted to get to the title of the show. I've, I've titled the show, Free Tommy Robinson, The IG Report, and Trump and Zhang Un. And I just, I want to make sure that we cover all three of these. And I'm going to cover these in order. But they're very, all three of them are very important because they, they teach us some lessons uh, especially Tommy Robinson teaches us some constitutional lessons that uh, we I hope that we never forget. Uh, and one of them has to do with the Second Amendment. And I was talking to a lady this morning, and, and bless her heart, uh, she brought up the idea with guns and everything that, you know, well, a lot of people don't hunt with them anymore. Uh, and I, I did want to correct her because, I, you know, she's an older lady and I respect her. And I, and I think she understands it, but she just... I think she, in her mind, she understands what the Second Amendment is for, but she's spouting 
a line there, and I just, I'll talk about that a little bit when we get to uh, Tommy Robinson. The IG report just came out. 500 pages. <laughs> no, I haven't read it. I, I skimmed a little bit of it, but I haven't read it. I've gone to my two sources that I use on that, and the, and the major source I use on it is Judicial Watch. They're the ones that, that put out these Freedom of Information Acts uh, to get this information out. Uh, and, and they've been doing this all along. And a lot of these FOIA requests they've, they've received, and they're actually uh, part of the AG's or the IG's report. Uh, Mr. Horowitz is the IG. IG. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about the North Korean summit uh, that uh, happened, uh, not North Korean, but the Singapore summit that happened with, excuse me, North Korea's Kim Jong un and President Donald Trump. And the, the lamestream media is just beside themselves. <laughs> And, and the uh, never-Trumpers out there, too. Uh, even though I didn't vote for Trump, I, was, I, 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 was, I don't count myself in that never-Trump camp. Uh, I just don't. And I'm, I'm probably never going to, either. I, I, just, I just am not, because even though I don't agree with everything he's doing, especially with the tariffs, I understand why he's doing some of that with Europe. And I understand his strategy. The more I see his strategy, the more I do agree with his strategy. And, and I believe he is trying to get to uh, free trade, uh, or as free as he can make it, and he's tired of the U.S. being the piggy bank for the, G, the rest of the G7 out there. So, again, it's a, it's a topsy-turvy week, and I did not get these. Uh, I was going to do some separate episodes on this, but, again, uh, I was having a bad week with my fibromyalgia. Uh, and just a up, quick update on that, I did go to the doctors on uh, Tuesday. And they put me on a new medicine, and I just started taking the new medicine yesterday morning because the pharmacy had to order it, which was kind of strange. But anyway, uh, it's an older antidepressant that didn't work real good for antidepression, but they found it works really good for fibromyalgia. So I, I just started that. Uh, I'm still not feeling all the best. And it'll take a few days for that to get into my system because it is metabolized. One of those medicines is metabolized by, by the liver. Uh, so they got to monitor all that. So, uh, again, I, I, I apologize for not getting a, a lot of videos out this week. And if I start feeling better, which that's the hope. Uh, even the pharmacist said you'll probably feel marginally better. I'm trying to, I'm trying to um, adjust my headsets here. Sometimes it gets caught behind my collar there, the adjustment there, and it, it just pulls that up. So, all right, so that's where we're at this week. And uh, I, like I said, I did a lot of work on the show today, and I did finish a couple videos. I need to edit them and get them posted out, probably, hopefully over the weekend. Uh, we're going to be celebrating my wife's birthday tomorrow. Uh, happy birthday, honey. Uh, of course, Father's Day. I want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day, which is on Sunday. Uh, or is it on Saturday? I'm not. I'm not really sure. But it's this weekend. It's Father's Day weekend. Hopefully, your kids will take you out. Uh, my son's going to actually take uh, me and my wife out to a outdoor open range, and we're going to shoot our pistols. So we're going <laughs> we're going to have some fun. A lot of people are like, "What?" <laughs> and I'm like, my wife really, when she found out my son took her over a year ago to the pistol indoor pistol range, she never shot a pistol before in her life, and she was shooting a 380. A nine millimeter, and my son uh, carries a 45 uh, caliber. She shot all three of them and loved them all. And but she really enjoyed. She she liked the 380, the nine millimeter, and the 45. Although she could handle them, 
she didn't want to try to have to do that on a consistent basis. So the 380 felt more comfortable to her, which is fine. A 380 will do damage, uh, maybe not as much as a nine millimeter or a 45, but I'll tell you what, I don't want to get hit by one. <laughs> I don't know too many other people that do want to get hit by those. <laughs> All right, let's get into the show here. Today's daily Bible uh, reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, verses 14 through 16. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands afar off, for the truth has fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. So truth fails, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness, it sustained him. I just You go back and listen to that, that there's justice has been turned back, and righteousness stands afar off, for truth has fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Boy, oh boy, we're in those times today, aren't we, folks? I mean, we're really, we're seeing this uh, day by day where there's so many injustices. There's so much uh, unrighteousness that's going on uh, in this country. And it's just, and if you try to stand up for the truth, you're just lambasted. You are literally, you're literally, literally set upon. And this sort of goes into my uh, what we're going to talk about with uh, Tommy Robinson today. All right. Let's get over the quote meal. If we wait upon God, there is no danger. If we rush on, he must let us see the consequences of it. And this is a quote meal by uh, John Darby. Let me read that again because I believe this is something that we, that, that's, we really, really, really need to grasp. If we wait upon God, there is no danger. If we rush on, he must let us see the consequences of it. So if we don't wait for God, if we, if we run ahead of God, we get, pretty much we get what we deserve. <laughs> and we've always gotten what we deserve, but if we wait upon God, it's not going to be near as bad. Okay? All right. Um, Today's daily Bible lesson comes from Al Shannon over at biblicalproof.wordpress.com. And it's the Bible Speaks for Itself. And he posted this uh, today, uh, June 15, 2018. It's a good article, folks. It's really, really good. And I, I talk about this all the time when I, when I talk to folks about the Bible. All, you know, how do you know the Bible's true? Because there are uh, evidence, there is evidence of inspiration within the pages of the Bible. And I talked to my Baptist friends and some other quote-unquote denominational Christians out there all the time about, well, that's just your interpretation of something. I said, no, it's not my interpretation. It's, and I use verses. Oh, you're just text-proofing. I, I said, look, and this is one of, my, one of the guys on Facebook that I've been uh, Facebook friends for years now. And he's, oh, you're proof-texting. And I said, I took him back to the temptations of Jesus when he's 40 days and 40 nights. He was fasting in the wilderness and Satan took him up uh, to the temple, the high mountain and all that kind of stuff. I said, what did Jesus do? He said, it is written. All three temptations, it is written. 
Now, if Jesus used Scripture to, to reproof the devil or Satan, that's an example of us using Scripture for instruction in righteousness, for reproof, for correction. That, to me, that, that's a perfect example. Jesus reproofing, correcting Satan, instructing Satan in righteousness that it is written. And if you let the Bible, if you let the Bible speak for itself, it does not contradict itself. It actually proves. If you look up things like baptism and salvation, look up all the, the scriptures that are involved with that. One scripture will not contradict another scripture in all that, especially when it comes to baptism. Yet our Baptist friends want to inject other scriptures in that have nothing to do with baptism. And they want to stand on that saying, this is, this is why we don't practice baptism the way the folks in the Church of Christ do. And it's not that we practice, it's not that this is how we practice, we follow what the Bible says about baptism. So this is a very good read, I encourage you to go over that. This, these and all the links for the show today will be over at the danclementshow.com, uh, episode 986. 986. Alright, let's get into the... Uh, the actual show here, uh, the show part of the show. Oh, let's see here. We are going to talk about Tommy Robinson first. Now, if you don't know who he is, I did a video and I'll put a, a, a link to it, uh, not only in the show notes here, but it'll also be in one of the cards uh, for this segment of the show. I'll put a link to an earlier video I've done. But basically what happened was, in Britain, they don't have a written constitution. They don't have a Bill of Rights that protects folks' natural rights. Now, again, in the United States, there's a lot of people here in the United States that uh, actually believe that we get our rights from government. The government grants us our rights, and that's, that's not the case. The Constitution, the Founding Fathers, and the Framers of the Constitution recognized that we had these natural rights before government was ever invented on this continent. Um, for the first time in history... The, the founding fathers and the framers of the Constitution looked at the sovereign individual and looked at the natural rights that came with them and say, look, the sovereign individual is above all government because individuals have always come before government. So when the, the states got together, the individuals created the states because once we whipped the British, we were no more colonies. So the individuals that were in the old colonies created the states. Then the states got together and created a compact called the Articles Confederation. Now, one of the things that was, uh, and this is this is just a side note about the the the, the Articles Confederation. There's a lot of, there's a lot of libertarians out there saying that we're still under those because we uh, we didn't go about doing it right. And and one of the clauses in the Articles Confederations was unless you got Everybody to agree on it, you couldn't get rid of the Articles Confederation. And to me, that's an that's a unlawful contract. Because it is a compact or a contract. And, and that's one of the reasons I believe, plus it just wasn't functioning, that they scrapped the Articles, Articles Confederation and the states got together to create the federal government. So in the hierarchy of things in the United States, it's the sovereign individual, then the states, and then the federal government, and, and the one with the most power is the sovereign individual. And we are in a republic, 
We are not a democracy. Uh, we, we use majoritarian rules uh, and, and principles to elect folks to Congress. Uh, we did a disservice to the founders and the framers when, when we enacted the 17th Amendment, uh, which made the, the senators of each state directly uh, accountable to the people instead of the states. And that took away sovereign power from the states over the federal government. I think that's one of the things we need to correct. I think if we corrected that, that will go a long way. I mean, a super long way into reining in the out-of-control federal government. But anyway, I don't want to get too far off here. Britain doesn't have this. The UK does not have this. They do not have a written constitution. They do not have a bill of rights that protects people's natural, natural rights. And if you want to go and, and learn about those, remember the name John Locke and especially his second uh, treatise on government. He talks about these natural rights. So I encourage you to go read that. But Tommy Robinson, basically he was following these uh, uh, rape grooming gangs over in the UK, which were made up of Pakistani Muslims for the most part. And he was following them over a year ago, and he, he was found in contempt of court. He, he went to jail for a little bit there, I believe, and then they got him out, and he was on a suspended sentence. And they said, you know, don't violate this sentence. Well, just uh, a, f a few months ago, not even a few months ago, he was arrested outside a courtroom, was not on court property, there was, there was nobody else around there. He was live streaming. Somebody called the police. They arrested him and put him in prison. And, it, and that all happened within about four hours. He was arrested, arraigned, and put in prison. Now, they were saying that he violated his, uh, he was on probation, that he violated his probation. And so they violated him back into prison. But everybody that was looking at this, Legal Minds, that aren't polluted by liberalism and progressivism looked at this saying he did nothing wrong here. He did not violate his conditions, but the state said he did. Now, I got this article here from uh, Ezra, Ezra Levant from over at the Rebel Media talking about help save Tommy Robinson. Now, Tommy Robinson is fighting back and it's time for us to help him. After private conversations with his family, I'm delighted to announce a way we can all help that has been authorized and approved by Tommy and his family, including Tommy's wife and his mother. Tommy has switched lawyers. He now has a top law firm that is filing an appeal. They are giving Tommy the world-class representation that he needs. Finally, someone is addressing everything from Tommy's treatment imprisonment to the hasty manner in which Tommy was tried and convicted and, of course, the shocking 13-month sentence. With the approval and authorization of his family, I have undertaken to cover all the fees of Tommy's new legal team. I want to maintain the confidentiality of my conversations with the family, but I will tell you uh, how to crowdfund money, how the crowdfund money will be handled as agreed by the family. 100% of all the proceeds will be used to cover Tommy's legal costs. We anticipate this will be tens of thousands of pounds, but that's fine. It's this is the most important legal case in the United Kingdom. I truly believe Tommy Robinson is a kind of political prisoner, and this case touches on freedom of the press and the increasing police restrictions on ordinary Brits taking, talking about public issues like Muslim rape gangs and mass immigration. If we raise more than it is required, that is required to pay the legal fees, we will give 100% of the surplus to Tommy's family. In my view, this family fund is very important. 
If Tommy is released, it can be used as a future legal defense fund for him. If Tommy's not released, his family can use it to pay their bills while Tommy's in prison. And God forbid, I hate to even mention it, but it is a possibility if something happens to Tommy while he's in prison or on another occasion, these funds can assure that Tommy's family is taken care of in the future. Tommy's family will have complete access to the financial accounts. All surplus funds will be transferred to Tommy's wife, and she has the complete discretion over them. Today is a day we fight back in a manner that Tommy and his family have approved. There are other things we can all do, and I salute everyone else who has been doing important things like rallying, both in the UK and around the world, and even just speaking in social media. This crowdfunding project is our special speciality at The Rebel, and we've done it before for Tommy when he worked with us. Let's do it again. Let's do it for Tommy again and for his family. And it puts links in here. And uh, you can go, and it also has an address if you'd rather send a check uh, for this. Now, the reason why I brought up Tommy Robinson to begin with uh, in the episode here, besides it being uh, in the news, my mustache still getting away with my coffee drinking. I did slick it back, but still. Anyway, Tommy Robinson was in uh, a prison in Hall, Britain, which had a very, very small Muslim population, if any at all. So he wasn't in much danger there. The Home Secretary, and forgive me, I did not get his name. I was just reading these uh, briefly yesterday. The Home Secretary and the Mayor of London are both Muslim. The Home Secretary is like the, um, I, I liken him on to the uh, AG, the Attorney General of the United States. The Home Secretary made a decision to move Tommy out of that prison. Gave no reason why. Everything I read about it, there was no statements why he did it. He just he has the power to do it, and he did it. Moved him into a prison that has a, a, the overwhelming majority of the prison is Muslim. And the overwhelming majority in that prison, they do not like Tommy Robinson. They don't like what he stands for. And I believe this more than anything, uh, Tommy Robinson's covering of these uh, grooming rape gangs, or rape grooming gangs, plus the mass immigration into the UK, and they're not um, um, assimilating. Uh, we've seen uh, Sadiq, the mayor of London, uh, fumble and flop around about all the crime that's going on in his city, which the crime rate in his city has actually surpassed New York City. And uh, there's a, a major portion of that violence in, in London that's gun violence. Well, I thought all guns were outlawed in the UK, and that's how you get rid of gun violence. You just outlaw all guns. Well, there's a perfect example, and I know it sounds like a very cliche, but <laughs> if you outlaw all the guns for legal, law-abiding citizens, the only people who have guns are criminals. And that's true every time this has ever happened. And getting back to my point, I was talking about this older older lady, this elderly lady that takes a, a water therapy. Uh, she's not not all the time she's in there. I'm in there Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and uh, they come sporadically. Uh, but she made a comment about, you know, she doesn't know why someone needs to own a AR-15. I pretty much told her that's why someone needs to own an AR-15. If you don't know why, and you think the government should do something about it, that's why. I said, Second Amendment, I didn't get real deep into it, but everybody knows that the Second Amendment does not grant us the right to keep and bear arms. That's the, the, the fallacy. 
no matter what Harvard says about the Harvard Law School says about it, uh, that's the fallacy. All the Second Amendment does is recognize our natural human right to protect ourselves, our natural human right to keep and bear arms outside of a militia. And this is important because the, the folks over in Britain, all the law-abiding citizens, they've had their guns confiscated. They're gone they're, they're, for years. They've had laws in the book you can't have guns. Matter of fact, uh, when I was stationed over there in, in uh, 82 to 84, um, the um, <laughs> uh, folks that did hunting up in Scotland, in our area, they had to keep their shotguns and, and if I don't I can't remember about rifles, but at least their shotguns and, and rifles at the local police station. And they had to give them notice ahead of time if they're gonna take them out and go hunting. And I just that was so foreign to me because I grew up with guns in the house. And and they and they weren't all just about hunting. I mean when I was a kid, we were living out on the farm, there was a, a string of burglaries uh, out in the country. We lived outside of Ada, Ohio, Ada, ADA, Ohio, on a farm. And it's it seemed the pattern of these, and I remember Dad talking about this, there's a pattern of these robberies that they're hitting some of these older folks and some families that they knew, and I don't know how they knew, but they knew they didn't have guns in the house. Because nobody in the area that had guns, that were hunters and stuff like that, nobody that had guns in their house were hit. So that was something that was that's that's very telling. I know I can't prove it to you, uh, and it's just a story. But you know, take it for what it's worth. England does not allow their citizens, and so they're not actually citizens anymore. They're actually subjects to the crown, subjects to the government. Now, let's take this real quick in reverse. Do you think Tommy Robinson would be in prison today? Do you think there'd be as much crime? in the city of London today, if the citizens were allowed to go armed, if they're allowed to have firearms in their house, if they're allowed to conceal carry firearms, a pistol and stuff, do you think there'd be as much crime in, in London? Now we know, we, we know what gun laws do to cities like Chicago. We know, and, and the argument there is, oh, there's so many easy paths outside of Illinois where they can get these guns and bring them in. Well, that's not true either. That, that, that fact, like gun show loopholes and stuff like that, that has been debunked so many times, yet you still hear the lamestream media using it. You still hear the, the gun control nuts out there using it. And it's just, it's not true. And it's one of those lies that just won't die. And so I'm telling you, if, if Britain had a written constitution, and I have, I've been starting to gain a, a, a followers on Twitter, uh, from the UK and on Facebook, and I, I've been asking him about this. And I said, you know, after this Tommy Robinson thing, don't you think you folks need to get together and uh, have a uh, grassroots movement to, to actually have a written constitution and actually have a Bill of Rights and actually take the government out and get the restrictions taken off of natural rights like freedom of religion, freedom of the press. And this whole thing with Tommy Robinson is just, it's its scary what they're doing over in England where a judge can put a gag order on 
a trial and no and, and the the media is afraid to to comment on it and the only comments you were getting on it was from us, us folks over here in the United States and I've actually had some conversations with some folks who are saying there's if this uh, article 13 of the EU gets passed uh, they're they're afraid to to meme uh, they're afraid to do anything over there and I told a couple of them already in, in direct messages and then just replying to their stuff on Twitter. I said, if you want stuff published and you're afraid to publish it over there, send it to me in an email. You know, get yourself a, you know, one of those email accounts that you can't track. Use a VPN and send me the emails. I'll publish it over here. I won't give you credit for it. Uh, and, 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 and it's not, you know, it's just I won't, I won't say who gave it to me to keep them out of trouble. But if there's stories, I mean, if there's freedom of the press uh, being squashed over in the UK, surely, surely, uh, these folks can use old-fashioned email or, or even snail mail if they had to. But I, I'm sure with a VPN and like a MailChimp account, or chimp account or something like that, one of those type accounts, uh, that they wouldn't be tracked. And basically, I use an open source uh, uh, ma mail handler. Uh, called Thunderbird and I, I'm also on a VPN and everything's encrypted so you know my emails encrypted in that so I, I'll, if I'm not sending it to you you won't be able to get into it or at least you shouldn't be able to get into it but that's that's where we're at with the uh, save Tommy Robinson I mean this this guy's in danger I, I honestly I, I, I I'm scared to open up uh, news items with Tommy Robinson every day because I'm afraid I'm gonna open one up and it says that he was killed in prison and, and, but, folks, if, if what I've seen over the weekend, and do not believe the lamestream media, they have been faking the news about the, about the uh, protest in London and elsewhere. One of them was actually caught uh, substituting uh, skirmishes at a soccer match, outside a soccer match, and said that this was happening at the protests uh, in London and elsewhere uh, over this, uh, the freedom protest. And talking, and we're talking about Tommy Robinson and everything over this past weekend. And, and this is, folks, this is, this is very, very important because it's what's happening in the UK is a cautionary tale for the United States. If we fail to protect our God-given natural rights, one of them being the right to keep and bear arms, right to freedom of the press, freedom of religion, freedom of redress, to our government, the right to protest or the you know, freedom of assembly. If we fail, if we fail to protect those and allow the government to take those away from us, we're going to be just like England, where you where you have cops. And this is this is the other thing. And this is the last thing I want to say about this: these police over there. I do not want to say that they are the SS. But they're acting like the SS, the, the Hitler's secret service. Because they're saying, I'm just following orders. A, a bunch of police were asked, asked, why are you doing this? Well, I'm just following orders. And that has been the excuse of violating people's rights throughout the millennia. That the enforcement arm of the states, whatever state you're in, you know, whether it's Roman Empire, whatever empire, whatever country, the enforcers of that country, oh, I've just followed orders. I've just followed the orders of the king. Or I was following the orders of the Roman Senate. 
and those orders, if you look at them and compare them to people's natural rights, are violating those people's natural rights. If that if that is the case, are those lawful orders? That's something you have to ask yourself. And this is exactly uh, UK. The United Kingdom is in a police state where the police are literally telling folks that we're just following orders. We're just following orders. And this is the one thing I tell folks over here all the time, especially the uh, the liberals. You know, well, you have the Second Amendment, but if we turn the army on you or the military on, on the citizens and that, you, you'll give up your guns. And I asked this, I told this one, this was a, a while back, I told this one, I said, that's presupposing that those men and women in the military are going to follow that unlawful order. What do you mean unlawful order? If the president orders the military to come in and confiscate guns, and if people resist, shoot them, that's a lawful order because the president is commander-in-chief. And I said, no. I said, even the president is not above the law. The president cannot issue an unlawful order to the military. And the military has a, has a duty and responsibility to refuse an unlawful order. And that would be an unlawful order. And, and I've seen plenty of, of veterans like myself, and I've seen plenty of military folks that are still active duty that whisper about, we're not gonna, we wouldn't do that because that's an unlawful order. And see, I believe that the police over in the UK, if they banded together and told the, told the government that's an unlawful order, we cannot follow it. Taking somebody's natural rights. Tommy Robinson, uh, Sargon of Akkad, any of the YouTubers out of there, um, the uh, Computing Forever out of Ireland, they all have natural rights. Whoever's, whoever's doing the stuff online on YouTube, getting this information out, they all have natural rights that precede government. And the government does not have the right to strip you of those rights. They, do, they, they don't have any authority whatsoever, even in, even in their written laws, because the UK doesn't really have a constitution. So whatever the UK does in Parliament is supposed to be the supreme law of the land except, in my opinion, when they squash natural rights. All right, enough on that one here. I didn't mean to belabor that, but, boy, that's, that's important. The U.K., what's happening over there now with Tommy Robinson and the squelching of uh, the, the squashing of freedom of speech, freedom of the press over there is chilling. And it's a cautionary tale for us over here in America that we should not go down that road. We should never let the government or even the lamestream media get away with their lies in suppressing the truth, in suppressing the truth. All right, let's uh, go on to, um, I have the story from Judicial Watch, and I also have a video, and I want to play the video first. So let me get over here and get this teed up here uh, for this video. Now, this is a Fox News with uh, Brian Kilmay with Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch. It's a little over three minutes. Uh, it was posted yesterday, but he's talking about the IG report uh, that's coming out. So uh, give us a, a, a quick listen here. Today, the blockbuster watchdog report on the FBI's handling of the Clinton email probe 
to be released. Our next guest predicts this will not be good news for James Comey and other high-ranking FBI members of their leadership, past and present. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton has, a, has played a leading role in uncovering the Clinton email scandal and joins us now with more. Tom, a couple of things that you think that will come out today that even you didn't know about are... Oh, I'm sure we're going to get details about uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and their text messages because the IG has reviewed all those text messages. We're going to find out more about the FBI and the DOJ and uh, the politicization of the Clinton email scandal. For instance, Loretta Lynch said that uh, the, her meeting with Bill Clinton cast a cloud over the email investigation. My guess is the IG is going to agree with her. Yeah, and she should have recused herself. Now, James Comey comes out, and the Clinton people will always tell you he hurt us so much and exonerated us in the end with that press conference. You have a different take on James Comey coming out, uh, listing everything Hillary did wrong, and then saying there's no reason to pursue it criminally. What do, you, what do you think? Well, James Comey and the leadership of the FBI, along with the DOJ, knew uh, that the investigation was wired. They had long decided not to prosecute Hillary Clinton. We're just going through the motions. So rather than justify and defend that corrupt investigation, they tried to distract from that uh, by uh, throwing uh, Hillary Clinton under the bus a little bit. So she'll be vindicated a little bit, uh, but in the end, we'll have confirmation. The Clinton email investigation uh, really destroyed the credibility of the Department of Justice and the FBI. You know, and recall, the, the individuals involved in this email investigation, Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Page. Peter Strzok was the leading FBI agent on the Clinton email investigation all concurrently were going after Donald Trump. They're, so you can't yeah, say they right. did the wrong thing on Hillary, and I don't think it's credible to say they did the right thing with respect to targeting the Trump campaign and, and all the spying and such. We know McCabe's up to his, uh, up to his neck in, with a criminal referral and problems. Who else do you think could be looking at a criminal referral from the Horowitz investigation? Well, that's the big question. We know James Comey's already under investigation for his mishandling of Donald Trump's FBI files. Uh, the question is, did the uh, obstruction rise to a, a, the level of a crime, as we know, uh, with Peter Strzok targeting uh, Donald Trump and protecting Hillary Clinton in those text messages, and uh, Comey breaking the rules uh, in order to uh, distract from FBI corruption in the Clinton investigation. We should get it this afternoon. There'll be an overview, and then there's going to be the 500 pages. Uh, a lot of this stuff, even for people like you, since there's so many redactions, is going to be brand new. Uh, That's right, and, and, it's, and it's going to be quickly, Brian, a vindication for President Trump because we're going to see that Comey did so many terrible things while FBI director, uh, and it confirms and right. reconfirms why he should have been fired. Well, Rod Rosenstein put it in a letter and recommended it. That got buried. Uh, Tom Fitton, thanks so much. We'll have you on pretty much every day to evaluate this. Appreciate <laughs> thanks, it. Thanks, Brian. All right, folks, that was uh, Tom Fenton on uh, Fox News, Fox and Friends. And he was talking about uh, this report uh, that is coming out, uh, the uh, AG's report that's actually out. And it's, it's 500 pages, so it's, it's some, I was, I guess came out yesterday, and uh, I was, some people were tweeting and saying they're not going to get through the whole thing for their, for their reports they need to put in for, for this morning. Uh, one lady said she's going to be up all night just getting through half of it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I said, man, I, I feel sorry for you because I'm not going to try to read the whole 500-page report uh, because a lot of it's redacted in that. I will have a link to it in the, in the show notes page. Matter of fact, uh, let me 
I forgot to put it in uh, on the paper now, um, but I'll link to that in the show notes page. You'll find over to danclementshow.com. But basically, um, what uh, uh, Tom Fenton is talking about here is uh, Judicial Watch President Tom Fenton made the following statement regarding the Justice Department's Inspector General report. The IG report has destroyed the credibility of the Department of Justice and the FBI. It confirms that Judicial Watch has investigated and revealed for nearly two years. The Obama DOJ FBI investigation of Clinton was rushed, half-baked, rigged, and irredeemably compromised by anti-Trump and pro-Clinton bias and actions. A Judicial Watch on as Judicial Watch uncovered the Clinton email scandal, it is outrageous to see a politicized FBI and DOJ then so obviously refuse to uphold the rule of law. The IG report details repeated DOJ and FBI difference to Hillary Clinton, her aides, and their lawyers. Americans should examine the report and judge for themselves whether the over-the-top difference to Hillary Clinton can be explained as anything other than political, especially from agencies that at the same time were actively collaborating with the Clinton campaign's fusion GPS to spy on and then and target then-candidate Trump. The IG report details how at least five top FBI agents and lawyers exchanged pro-Clinton, anti-Trump communications. The IG shares the concerns of Judicial Watch and millions of Americans that this bias cast a cloud over the credibility of the Clinton email and Russian investigations. A Judicial Watch, as Judicial Watch has demonstrated through its independent investigations and lawsuits, there's more than enough evidence that Clinton knowingly and intentionally mishandled classified information while using a non-government email system to conduct government businesses. Will the Sessions Justice Department now do the right thing and conduct a Clinton email investigation properly, or will it let James Comey and Loretta Lynch have the last word on Hillary Clinton's email, uh, evident email crimes? In the meantime, Judicial Watch will continue its ongoing FOIA lawsuits and investigations into the Clinton email scandal and the related Obama administration cover-up. Judicial Watch has numerous lawsuits and document productions regarding the issue of, uh, raised by the IG, including the conduct of Andrew McCabe, the Clinton-Lynch tarmac meeting, the uh, Stoke-Page communications, the FBI investigation into Hillary Clinton, and DOJ collusion with the Clinton campaign. Inspector General Michael Horowitz, who was appointed by President Obama, has been investigating allegations of wrongdoing within the federal law enforcement agencies since January 12, 2017. Horowitz opened a separate investigation into James Comey on April 20th over classified information streaming from his memo leaks. Horowitz previously released a report stating that former FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe was dishonest with investigators about how sensitive information from the agency ended up in the Wall Street Journal in 2016, which was the basis for his termination and criminal referrals by Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein last May. Former Attorney General Loretta Lynch, who met with former President Clinton just days before Hillary's FBI interview, was also a subject of Horowitz's report. And, and there's, there's 500 pages, folks. There's going to be a lot of stuff in here. Everything I'm reading on this uh, IG report is, is just, it's mind-boggling. And I'm talking about from, from credible sources that I respect and I trust. I'm not talking about the legacy lamestream media out there who is putting so much spin on this uh, that it's almost like a hurricane 
in the in the lamestream media out there that they're putting such a spin on this. Uh, some of the emails between Stoke and Page was just it's fantastical. I mean, it, it it's fantastical. <laughs> new word for new word of the day, folks. Fantastical. Uh, CNS News: Susan Jones is reporting FBI Stoke and Page felt pressure to close Clinton investigation when Trump emerged as likely GOP nominee. Now, why, were the, why would they be pressured to close the Clinton investigation, especially when Judicial Watch has been the main uh, impetus behind these FOIA information, these Freedom of Information Act lawsuits to get this information out? And there's, they, they found more than sufficient information to refer Hillary Clinton for criminal prosecution. Yet the government is doing nothing. The FBI, matter of fact, pressured FBI agents to close the Clinton investigation when Trump emerged as the likely GOP nom nominee, and that was well before uh, the Republican convention. You know, Donald Trump had to sewed up pretty quick. And there was questions asked in emails from uh, Stork, Stokes and Page that um, is President Trump, gonna, or is can, candidate Trump going to be president? I hope not. They were just totally, the bias is just overflowing in the FBI, what was going on here. So I encourage you to go read the CNS News report about this. Uh, CNS, is, CNS News is one of my go-to news sources. Um, a closer look at extreme FBI bias revealed in OIG report. And this goes, this is uh, from Zero Hedge, let me see here, uh, by uh, Tyler Durden. And this is a report from the Hutch uh, Reports blog. And they go through, this is about four pages long, so I'm not even going to get too far into it in here at all. But just Zero Hedge is another one of them sources that I trust because they, they are accurate in their reporting. They don't put spin on it. They report exactly what's being done, by whom. And, yes, sometimes do they give their opinion? Yes. We all give our opinions. I mean, this whole show is a comment, uh, commentary show on the news, which I give my personal opinion. But I don't base it on spin. I don't base it on things that aren't factual. And Zero Hedge uh, has proven to me in the past, and, and I still check out these sources to make sure they're still maintaining that tr my trust, uh, that they're doing the right thing, that they're reporting on the news as it is, not putting a spin on it. So, again, we have this, this whole thing with this uh, uh, OIG report. Uh, from Horowitz, and it's just uh, everything I've been reading about it uh, in other news items, uh, it just, uh, the FBI is so compromised. Uh, the Obama administration is so compromised in all this. The Hillary campaign is so compromised in this. The Hillary Foundation, uh, even some of these emails, uh, some of this came out. And, and the, the uh, spying on the Trump campaign by the Obama administration. And please don't sit there and, and, and turn a water hose on me and tell me it's raining when I tell you that there's no way that this didn't happen without the approval of President Obama. The spying on a political campaign. Please don't tell, tell me that. Don't tell me it's raining when all you got is a hose on me. I ain't going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it. As, as much of a control freak President Obama was in his administration as far as the executive branch, I don't think anything got by him. 
do I believe people are protecting him politically? Yes. But I don't believe for one second he did not know what his, what his Department of Justice, what the FBI was doing, what uh, uh, Comey was doing, any, any of it. Clapper, the whole nine yards. And, and I believe this is going to come out in all these investigations, if we can actually get true investigations done on this. And one of the things I hope this IG report does is go through and clean house in the FBI. We do not need a politicized law enforcement branch of the government. We absolutely do not need that. And that's exactly what we have today. We have a politicized FBI. And, and we need to go through and clean house in there. And hopefully use this as a cautionary tale for future FBI agents to keep politics out of it. To keep politics out of it. And these political appointees, like Comey was, to the director of the FBI, they need to work doubly so to make sure that politics stays out of the investigations. Even to the point of standing up to the President of the United States and telling the President of the United States, you're wrong, we can't do this, we're not going to do it. And if you, if you insist on me doing it, I'll have my letter of resignation on your desk by business end. And then do that, and if, if the president doesn't relent, you do that, and then you go to press, and you tell the press why. You tell the press why you resigned. And do that before the president can get anything out there. That would be the honorable thing to do. But it seems like nothing in the Obama administration was done honorably or ethically or legally. It just seems like the more we dig... Uh, the worse it gets. And, and, and I hate to see it all. I really do. I hate to see a presidency that was so corrupt like the Obama administration has been. And this is another thing I run into all the time on social media, uh, that they, they, they're concentrating so much on President Trump's administration and, and they talk about how corrupt his administration is, and yet they can't prove it. They have no evidence, no logical thinking to prove it. And when you come back with these accusations against Obama and stuff like that, they, they, they uh, accuse you of what-isms, you know, or this person's doing that. But the problem is the Obama administration was doing everything that they're accusing the Trump administration of doing, and yet they don't, they don't say a word about that. They don't even say boo about that. And that's disheartening, too. That really, really is. So this whole IG report, uh, over the next week, uh, I'm following uh, Tom Fenton pretty close here on, the, on these reports coming out. Uh, it's, it's, if people don't go to jail that were in the Obama administration over this stuff, and especially Hillary Clinton with the email, the classified stuff, and, and also the Clinton Foundation, if they don't go to jail over this stuff, uh, I, I'll lose total faith in the judicial system here in the United States of America. I will. I'll lose total faith in it. If we cannot hold those who we put in place to govern over us, if we cannot hold them accountable under the rule of law, then nobody should be. We should just start emptying prisons out there. We, and I'm serious about that. And I'm not saying that as a joke. I'm serious about that. We should start emptying prisons out there. Because if we're not going to hold politicians to the same standard that we're held to under the law, then there is no law. And we just need to close all the prisons down and empty them out and quit arresting people completely. 
that's how that's how serious I am about this, folks. I really am. All right. Now that we got through the IG report, let's go on to, to the um, uh, Singapore summit uh, between President Trump and Kim Young Un or Young Young Un. Um, let me see what I want to go to here first. Well, let's see here. First one, both these are CNS News uh, articles by Patrick Goodenaw, uh, posted yesterday. I believe both of them are yesterday. No, one of them was posted yesterday. This one was posted yesterday, and the other one's posted today. Pompeo, no economic relief until complete denuclearization of North Korea has been achieved. Now, this is one of the things that the never-Trumpers, I believe Ben Shapiro was talking about this, and I like Ben Shapiro, but he's not right on everything. And there's a lot of folks in the lamestream media said that this first agreement here didn't go far enough. Well, I'm sorry, this is like a first date. You know, it's going to take many dates to find out about an individual. And you don't, you don't go for the wedding on the first date. You don't go for the long-term relationship on the first date because these first dates are meant as a learning process of, uh, about the other individual. And, and the lamestream media were just screaming about this. The never-Trumpers were just beside themselves about this, that he didn't get enough concessions in his first meeting. Folks, do you understand the historical significance of this first meeting? Do you understand the historical significance of the living presidents today, the four living presidents we have today, Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, uh, W, and Barack Obama, literally are saying nothing about this? That's historical in and of itself. What did Bill Clinton do? And this is something we forget. This is something we forget. Bill Clinton gave North Korea staging technology for their missiles through the Lucent Corporation. This is well documented. Go look it up. It was always appease, appease, appease. Bill Clinton, appeasement. W, appeasement. Obama, appeasement. Even Jimmy Carter was sent over there by Bill Clinton. It was all about appeasement. Folks, you should never, ever negotiate with somebody from the position of weakness. That's bad chess. That's bad strategy. That's bad negotiating all the way around. Because if you are not there from a position of strength, then what do you have to hold over somebody? And this could be said the other way around. You know, North Korea could have been coming into this negotiation from a position of strength. They're not because they don't have the nuclear missiles they need to go up against a nuclear power like the United States. So they can't come from a position of strength. Only the United States occupies that in this in this two-person race here. Now, I understand. I, I know President Trump does, too, uh, because this other article points out, points this out. I understand that we're not the only two in this. I understand South Korea has, has skin in the game. 
Japan has skin in the game. Uh, Russia has skin in the game, and, and China has skin in the game. And you, and you might say to me, well, how does Russia have skin in the game? Well, Russia, a, a little bit of Russia actually uh, borders North Korea. So if they're a nuclear power, they're a threat to the whole region, including, including the United States, if they had intercontinental ballistic missiles that could, reach, get, that could successfully reach the mainland of America. Matter of fact, they threatened Guam, which is a U.S. territory. They literally threatened Guam, and, and I, I felt sorry for the people over on Guam. What are you going to do? You know, and, and again, you have this this rogue nation, and that's exactly what North Korea is. It was, it was it's a rogue nation. So President Trump, President Trump was willing to walk away from the negotiations. I mean, just literally canceled the negotiations and said, nope, we're not going. And that had to scare uh, little Kimmy. It, it did. It had to scare him because they weren't coming groveling to him. The United States wasn't, wasn't groveling to him. What's the matter? Where's the, where's the, the, the bribe here? Where's the appeasements of me? And I, th I think North Korea and Kim Jong-un, I think they realized that they were dealing with a different person here. They were dealing with a person that was willing to walk away from the negotiating table. That, they, that, that President Trump wasn't messing around. That we're not going to give you concessions before you denuclearize. We're just, we're not going to do it. So President Trump literally went in those negotiations from a position of strength. From a position of strength. And the lamestream media, progressives and liberals over here, the Young Turks, the Humanist Report, secular, the Secular Report, just lambasted him. President Trump for everything he was doing over there. And everything leading up to that. Oh, we're going to start World War III. And he said the same thing about the G7. Oh, he just, he's dissing all these friends of ours in the G7. How dare he do that? Well, he did it because we we're getting a raw deal from all these people. Well, sorry, we we're getting a raw deal from all these people. Trump saw that. Most of the American people see that. And yet, you got four living presidents that did nothing about it. Four living presidents that did nothing about it. And they're totally silent. I don't know if they're totally silent. I know Obama's been talking about it. But he has nothing constructive to say about it. So Pompeo, no economic relief until complete denuclearization of North Korea has been achieved. And you know what? And the funny thing about this was, this trip to Singapore was the first one that Kim Jong-un had made. Never been to Singapore before. Never. Can you imagine him coming from um, North Korea into one of the most prosperous cities out beside Hong Kong, Coming to see their city, seeing all the examples of capitalism there, and how a free market, and, and Singapore, besides, I think they're neck and neck with Hong Kong, are one of the most freest cities in, in the world, Singapore is. And it's all due to free market capitalism. Matter of fact, Singapore has more free market capitalism going on over there than we do in the United States. That's amazing to me, but... Uh, little Kimmy hadn't been in a state like that before. 
Not like Singapore. He may, he may have been up in China, but he wasn't like that in Singapore. Matter of fact, the Chinese sent him a plane to fly on to go to Singapore. And I didn't confirm this, but uh, everything I read about it, China was sort of footing the bill for him to be there. Because I think China thinks this is something, too, that this is important, too, because, you know, North Korea, if they, if they really advanced their nuclear weapons along, you know, along the route that they were going and really got them good, wouldn't they potentially become a threat to China if China wanted to do something to them? I mean, come on, folks. And, and another thing, and this is something some of the lamestream media had brought out, and this is the other story about the sanctions and stuff. That Beijing is reluctant to say North Korea sanctions should remain until complete denuclearization. Now, in my opinion, sanctions have very little to do with turning a country away from their path. Because all it does is hurt the people. And when you're in a dictatorship like Iran or North Korea or Cuba or Venezuela... The only thing sanctions do is hurt the people. And the people, because what is one of the things, and I, I hate to keep coming back to this, but what's one of the things that is an identifying mark for all these dictatorial regimes that I just mentioned? None of them allow their citizens to own firearms. Period. What is the first thing that socialists do when they go into a country? They confiscate the people's firearms. Do not let 21st century socialists tell you otherwise. This is exactly what they do. Because I ask, when I get them in conversations on Twitter or Facebook, one of the questions I ask them, what happens if I refuse, I use myself, what happens if I refuse to go along with your program? I don't want your socialist program. I want to be left alone. I want to do this instead of what you want me to do. What's going to happen? Well, the state's going to force you to do that. How are they going to force me to do it? I make them spell it out. How are they going to force me to do it? And what? And, and when push comes to shove, almost every one of them to a person tells you that, well, first off, we've got to get rid of the guns. Why do you have to take my guns? Because they're afraid I might protect myself from an overreaching government. That's why we have a natural right to defend ourselves. That's why we have a Second Amendment that protects our natural rights to keep and bear arms. It's not for hunting. It's not for show. It's not for target practice. It's to keep a tyrannical government from taking hold in the country. And all those dict dict dictatorships I mentioned, these socialist dictators, it's one of the first things they did. When the Bolsheviks took over Russia, what was the first thing that Lenin did? He took the guns away from the citizens. When Mao had his revolution, what was one of the first things that Mao did? He took away the citizens' firearms. Pol Pot was the first thing he did. Took away the citizens' firearms. Um, Fidel Castro, what was one of the first things that he did was to take away the citizens' firearms. Hugo Chavez, what was one of the first things he did when he had enough power? He took, he outlawed firearms to the citizens. Every one of them. And North Korea is no different. North Korean citizens are not allowed to own firearms. 
So again, just getting back to the sanctions, I don't believe sanctions do that much. I think they hurt the people more than they do anything else. I understand their reasoning a little bit, but I think it's a flawed reasoning for sanctions. And Beijing's reluctant to say North Korean sanctions should remain until complete denuclearization. Uh, China is North Korea's biggest trading partner. And not that China would fall if, the, if, if North Korea stopped trading with them. But what I'm getting at here, if North Korea denuclearizes, and we can prove it, that they're, they do not have a nuclear program, and they start liberalizing laws and start getting rid of some of these uh, laws that stomp on people's freedoms, their natural rights, North Korea could become a economic superpower over in that area. If they turn things around, allow people to have uh, life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness, private property that they can own for themselves, that they can trade and barter on, North Korea could turn around within decades and become an economic superpower over in that area, and at least a competitor on the world stage. And I'm just convinced of that. But I think the one thing that brought the one thing that brought North Korea to the negotiating table was the threat of violence by the United States. That we weren't going to tolerate his nonsense over there. That we weren't going to we were not going to tolerate him threatening us, threatening Guam, threatening Japan, or anybody else, South Korea, whatever. We just weren't going to tolerate it. And if, if he didn't act like a civilized nation or civilized leader, we weren't even going to meet with him. We were not even going to meet with him. I think that more than anything, the seriousness of Donald Trump and his administration when it comes to negotiating these things, I think that more than anything brought little Kimmy to Singapore for this summit. And I think all the naysayers out there and all the people that just are spinning this whole thing, I think they need to sit down and shut up because they don't know what they're talking about. They're reading a lot into this that wasn't there. This was the first meeting. I think it's the first meeting among many. Uh, uh, Kim Jong-un wants to set up a meeting with President Trump in uh, um Oh, I, the capital of North Korea escapes me right now. I, wanna, it's, I know it starts with a P. I want to say um, Pong Jang, but I don't. Anyway, uh, the, it wants to invite him over there. The President of the United States wants to eventually invite him over to the United States, have a state dinner here with him, a meeting over here in America. Let him see that America is not the threat here, that the American Republic and our freedoms and stuff are not an enemy of his. And I think that will go a long way to securing peace on the, on the Korean Peninsula and denuclearizing North Korea and modernizing their economy and freeing their people. And matter of fact, hopefully leading to open borders between North and South Korea and maybe, maybe someday unifying North and South Korea to have one Korea on that peninsula. I think that would be a great thing. Now, real quick here, before my naysayers come out of the woodwork and start having conniption fits, I'm not saying, by saying all this, that 
little Kimmy hasn't been a bad boy in the way he's treating his people. I don't mean to make light of this, but that he hasn't been a bad dictator when it comes to treating his people bad and treating political dissidents bad. We all know that. We all know that. And to expect Donald Trump to come into a first meeting and pound him about that is ridiculous. We all know there's human rights violations in North Korea. That's a proven fact. Little Kimmy knows that. President Trump knows that. What's the first step? What's the first step? What's the biggest threat we have right now with North Korea? Their nuclear program. Let's tackle that one first, get rid of the nuclear program, and then we can go in and start talking about the human rights violations and hopefully modernizing his, the, the people's rights and the economy over there. I think, I think modernizing the economy, letting capitalism, letting free marketism get into North Korea will do more to free, will do more to free the Korean people over there than anything else. Than anything else, folks. And, and just, uh, again, uh, I'm just, I'm calling them as, as I see them. So please, today, folks, we're talking about Tommy Robinson, the IG report about the, all these investigations going on, especially about the, IFB, the IG report about the FBI and uh, President Trump and Kim Jong-un and the summit over in Singapore. I think it was fantastic that it happened, and I, and I think we need to uh, give President Trump an attaboy uh, for making this happen. And, and you know, Kim Jong-un, he made it happen too. And, I, and just by coming there. All right, folks, that's the end of the show. You hear the music there. This has been the Dan Columbus Show. I'm your host, Dan Columbus, your constitutional warrior member. If you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. Have a great rest of the day, and God bless. And, folks, have a great weekend. And please, on Sunday, go to the church of God's choice, not your choice. Make sure it's the church that's talked about in the New Testament. Again, have a great rest of the day, and God bless. And we'll see you all in the next video.